Hello, welcome to the David Eagle Podcast. My name is David Eagle, and we are looking back at the output from 2016, a year that saw me release a podcast every single day in a project called David's Daily Digital Dollop. Rather than having 366 podcasts just for 2016, I thought I would streamline things and condense them into these weekly omnibus editions. When you hear this sound... It means we're moving on to the next dollop, and we start with me reading out a spam comment that I found on my website. I see your website needs some fresh articles. I know writing takes a lot of time, and there is solution for this hard task. Simply type in Google, Mamjo's article tool. Well, I have heeded this commenter's badly written words and done a Google search. It turns out that this tool works whereby you take an article from the internet, paste it into this generator, and then it will change the order of the words, add different words, and then create a new article. This is first multi-language article spinner that actually understands that words have different meanings. For you, as customer, that means that you will be able to create human-readable articles with single click of your mouse. Well, all that sounds very impressive. However, you would have assumed that the people behind this enterprise might have wanted to make sure that their advert was written properly and grammatically correct, given what it's advertising. It appears as if they have probably used their machine to generate the sales pitch for them. Unfortunately, you have to hand over your credit card details in order to take advantage of this tool. However, there are article generators out there that are free. So, out of curiosity, here is the erotic fiction extract from the book Suddenly Last Summer from Sarah Morgan, which featured in my tenth dollop. I slide my hand behind her head and bring my mouth down on hers in a hard, demanding kiss that stirs up a raw hunger. A kaleidoscope of emotions rip through me, but the prime one is need. It spreads through me, not slowly, but like wildfire, burning everything in sight. I feel the softness of her body pressing through the thin fabric of my shirt and the erotic slide of her tongue against mine, and desire escalates to a dangerous blaze. Her arms are flung around my neck, and she purrs deep in her throat like a thoroughly contented kitten. Rock hard, I feel her tug my shirt out of my trousers and slide her hands over my skin, clearly greedy to touch me, and I am equally greedy to touch her, my fingers now on her buttons, loosening them, giving me access to the smooth, creamy skin revealed by the lace of her bra. My body craves hers. It is a visceral, physical need that drives all thought from my brain. And here is the newly generated content from the article spinner. I slide my hand behind her head and bring my mouth down on hers in a hard, requesting kiss that mixes up a crude craving. A kaleidoscope of feelings tear through me, yet the prime one is need. It spreads through me, not gradually, but rather like a fierce blaze, smouldering everything in sight. I feel the delicateness of her body squeezing through the slender fabric of my shirt, the suggestive slide of her tongue against mine, and seek razors to a risky burst. Her arms are flung around my neck and she murmurs somewhere down in her throat, such as a completely placated little cat. Rock hard, I feel her pull my shirt out of my trousers and slide her hands over my skin, obviously ravenous to touch me. What's more, I am just as ravenous to touch her. My fingers now on her catches, releasing them giving me access to the smooth, velvety skin uncovered by the trim of her bra. My body 
pines for hers. It is an instinctive, physical need that drives all idea from my mind. Well, I don't actually think that is too bad. There is a creepy science fiction-like bit when the woman seems to shrink. I feel the delicateness of her body squeezing through the slender fabric of my shirt. Although, the man doesn't seem too perturbed by this odd turn of events. What I've done is I've taken some hit songs and I've used the article generator, the article spinner as it's called, to change the lyrics in such a way that I think that you you can't really tell what the original is. I've changed the tune a little bit as well and I'm going to perform them for you now. Now I'm going to perform them over the top of the instrumental versions of the song so you can tell where they come from. Obviously in the future when I come to releasing this hit properly I think I can spare a little bit of expense, you know, get a proper band behind this and change the tune a little bit so it's unrecognisable but I mean all we have have to do is just swap some of the chords around. Again, I could probably get a machine to do that for me as well, a chord generator. This is just sort of work in progress, really. I mean, this literally took me two minutes to do. Get the lyrics, copy it in, generate the new lyrics. Sorted. Done. So I'm going to perform them for you now. So we've got three songs. Uh, the first one is called Unconventional Composition. Here we go. Is this the genuine living? Is this simply dream? Gotten in an avalanche? No break from realism. Open your eyes. Admire the skies. And see. I'm only a poor kid. I require no sensitivity Since I'm simple come, simple go Minimal high and minimal low In any case, the wind blows But it doesn't generally make a difference To me To me Mum just slaughtered a man I set a firearm against his skull Pulled the trigger Now he's passed on Mum Life had just quite recently started But now you may know That I've got no regard For it all Oh mum I didn't intend to make you weep In case I'm not back again this time the next day Go ahead, go ahead As though nothing was truly important I think this is even more emotional I passed the point of no return and my time has come It sent shudders down my back Bodies hurting constantly Farewell, everyone I must go I've got to abandon all of you And face reality Mum Oh at any rate, the wind blows. I don't want to kick the bucket. I once in a while wish that I'd never been conceived by any stretch of the imagination. 
There you go. Obviously, well, we won't keep the instrumental. We'll mix that around a bit, change the tune. I think that will become a completely unrecognisable song. Okay, so now my second song uh, goes by the name of Catastrophe Lodgings. Indeed, my child, she left me. I found another spot to stay. It's down towards the end of Forlorn Road at the Catastrophe Lodgings. You make me so forlorn, child. I get so forlorn. I get so forlorn. I could pass on. Hey, now, if your infant abandons you, at least you got a story to tell. Simply bring a stroll down a desolate road at Catastrophe Lodgings. You make me so desolate, infant. I get so desolate. Mm, I get so desolate, I could kick the bucket. This is going to make my millions. Absolutely brilliant. I think that's pretty unrecognisable. I think if we change the tune around there, we've got a new hit on our hands. The last one, uh, which is my particular favourite, this is called Leave It Alone. When I wind up stuck in an unfortunate situation, my mum, Mary, approaches me, talking useful tidbits, leave it alone. What's more, in my hour of haziness, she is standing directly before me, talking useful tidbits, leave it alone. Leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone. Whisper useful tidbits, leave it alone. Also when the despondent individuals on this planet all concur There will be a response Leave it alone For however they might be separated There is still a chance that they will view There will be a response Leave it alone 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 Whisper useful tidbits Leave it alone Furthermore, when the night is shadowy There is still a light that sparkles upon me Sparkle until the next day Leave it alone to the sound of music Mum, Mary approaches me talking useful tidbits leave it alone leave it alone leave it alone leave it alone definitely leave it alone goodness there will be a response leave it Tidbits, leave it 
stuff i'm sure you'll agree there ladies and gentlemen so there you go uh my three hit songs created by the single click of a mouse when you type david eagle into google something which obviously i've never been so egocentric to do i'm getting this from other people you understand you get a list of related search queries these are based on what other people have previously searched for in addition to the name david eagle at the top of the list is David Eagle Blind. The same thing happens for the search term the young'uns. So it seems that blind is the most commonly used word to follow after my name and the name of my folk group. I'm not sure in what context these searches are being made. Are they watching the young'uns live and then thinking, that one on the left looks a bit different. Do you think he's blind? Well, this ballad's starting to get on me tits anyway, so a Google search would prove a bit of a welcome distraction. Or are they typing David Eagle blind in order to be taken to the correct David Eagle? Is David Eagle blind viewed as the most expedient way of getting to me? I'd much rather it be David Eagle sex god or David Eagle genius rather than the majority of people plumping for the disability tag. The spell checker is unhappy with my use of the word plumping and is telling me that it is incorrect. I started to doubt myself, so I did a Google search and it's David Eagle 1, Spellchecker nil, helping corroborate why David Eagle Genius would be just as valid a search term as David Eagle Blind. During my plumping search, I also came upon the Urban Dictionary's definition for the term plumping. 1. When one or more men go to a club, bar or McDonald's for the sole purpose of hitting on and or hooking up with overweight, fat or preferably obese women. Not sure why it has to be McDonald's specifically. If you go to Burger King or KFC, then that's a very different matter altogether. You don't call it plumping then. Has to be a bar club or McDonald's. Two, a great American pastime, also known as fat macking. Hey man, me and John are going plumping tonight. Would you like to accompany us? Oh, I'd love to attend. I thoroughly enjoy plumping. I like the fact that they've included some dialogue between two characters to help us see how the word might be used. I don't want to be snobby or prejudiced here, but the way these two characters are speaking to each other seems at odds with the activity that they're about to partake in. Their speech seems too formal to fit with the subject matter. Would you like to accompany us? I would love to attend. I thoroughly enjoy plumping. Their way of addressing each other is rather formal and refined when you consider that they're essentially just about to crawl the streets to have sex with chubby women, unless they get really lucky and bag an obese one. Hello to anyone who's stumbled across this website when searching for David Eagle Plump or David Eagle Obese. Uh, you've got the wrong David Eagle, I'm afraid, but you are very welcome. I am the blind David Eagle. Yes, that's what I'm best known for being blind. Currently, when you search for David Eagle Blind, you get lots of interviews that I've done, in which I've been asked to talk about being blind by journalists, as well as all the other various blog posts that I've written where I've referenced being blind. However, I've realised that there is scope here for changing what comes up in Google search terms for David Eagle Blind. And perhaps I can help create a better image for myself than simply being identified most easily by my blindness. Bearing in mind that most of the pages linked to in the search results were written by me so that I can easily set an agenda here. Obviously, Google gives the searcher a bit of a taste of the content on the particular page. So, here are some things that I would like Google to show people when they search for David Eagle Blind. Hopefully, by writing this, my wish will become reality. 
David Eagle has been unanimously crowned world's sexiest blind man in a vault cast by thousands of the world's top glamour models. That's right, even sexier than David Blunkett. David Eagle has won the award for the most intelligent blind man for the 25th year running. Thoroughly well-deserved, the obvious winner, said Stephen Hawking. I'd take my hat off to him, but I can't, for obvious reasons. That was a joke, and you can't call me out for being sick, because I am Stephen Hawking, who is saying this. If it was someone else doing a cheap joke about my terrible physical disability, then that would be different. But I am Stephen Hawking, and I am saying this, so therefore it is allowed. David Eagle might be blind, but that hasn't stopped him becoming a commercial airline pilot. We are delighted to welcome David Eagle onto the team, said Stelios Haji Ayanau, boss of EasyJet. He is the first blind pilot in history, and we believe that this is a landmark moment for equality of opportunity. And even more importantly, it means that we can pay him less because we get a special equality and diversity grant from the government. Being a budget airline, we are looking forward to employing more blind pilots, helping keep the costs down for us and our customers. We are also offering a voluntary blinding for all our current non-blind pilots who are worried about losing their jobs due to our new pilot recruitment drive to find even more blind people. We believe that the voluntary blinding scheme should allay any sighted pilots' fears about being made redundant by this new and exciting initiative. We are truly humbled and honoured to have the world's most intelligent and sexiest blind man working for us, although we are a little concerned that he might distract our air stewardesses. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, providing David doesn't crash into the bridge, killing us all. There. That should give Google something to work with. I've been roped into something by my housemate Elsa. The company that she works for are doing a focus group, and someone has just dropped out at the last minute. Apparently, the names need to be registered today, and so, out of desperation, she has asked me to fill the gap. So tomorrow I'm going along to her place of work and participating in a focus group. I've absolutely no idea what the focus group is for or about. She was about to register the names when the person called to drop out, meaning that she had to quickly find someone else. And so all I've received from her is a plea via text. I did point out to her that I probably wouldn't fit her demographic, but she simply texted back saying that she was desperate. This means that I'm probably going to have to do some acting tomorrow, as the company that she works for provide training for immigrants and refugees. Is she expecting me to pretend to be a refugee? You're probably thinking that this is highly unlikely, but then you haven't met Elsa. She is probably going to come home this evening, and I'll have to spend hours being prepped about the kind of person that I am meant to be, my background and social cultural status. So, here's the thing, David. I need you to be a gay plumber who's recently emigrated from Hungary. All right, so you mean like when we do role-play when Ben's away for the night? Well, kind of, but not exactly. I mean, I would strongly urge you to keep your clothes on tomorrow. OK, anything else I should know? Yes, I also need you to drop the blind thing. Drop the blind thing? Yes, you know, the, the gay plumber from Hungary isn't blind. Yeah, but I am. In fact, as we established in yesterday's dollop, being blind is what I'm best known for. Yes, but he isn't. Keep up, David, we haven't got long. Now, let's learn some Hungarian. Then we need to prime you with some plumbing knowledge. Can I not say that I'm dyslexic and that I meant to write on the form that I am a Hungarian plumper, not a plumber? Then I wouldn't need to spend the entire night learning about plumbing. Oh, OK, good idea. So, you're a gay Hungarian plumper. Drop the blindness and get learning the Hungarian for fat, overweight and obese, and everything should go swimmingly. Excellent. What could possibly go wrong? 
I am writing today's dollop from the police station. I arrived at the focus group and was immediately arrested. Apparently, the Hungarian plumber that I was meant to be impersonating was, in fact, an illegal immigrant. I tried explaining to the police that I was simply pretending to be a gay dyslexic Hungarian plumber because the actual Hungarian plumber had dropped out of the focus group that my housemate is running at her place of work. But they said that they weren't going to fall for that old housemate's focus group dropout trick. They'd been fooled by that one once before. I tried explaining to them who I really am. I pointed them in the direction of my daily blog, hoping to prove that I am who I say I am. But apparently my blog is too full of wild fabrications for them to trust anything that I say. It was immediately discredited as supporting evidence. In fact, they immediately dismissed anything that I said to them, because they'd said that I'd spent my blog posts building up a series of false identities. As they pointed out to me, my blog post from two days ago was full of fabricated identities. I'd claimed that I was a pilot for EasyJet, and I'd faked a number of award wins, including World's Most sexiest blind man and world's most intelligent blind man. Stephen Hawking was contacted. He told the police that he'd never heard of me and that my quote from him was bogus. Likewise, they contacted thousands of glamour models, but no one recognised my name. When they showed them a photo of me, most of them laughed derisively at the notion that they'd have considered me a worthy winner of the world's sexiest blind man award. As they pointed out to the police, they would have naturally given that accolade to David Blunkett. They also knew that I was pretty good at impersonating people, after they'd heard my George Formby impression on Dollop 16. Basically, they told me that rather than helping me, my blog posts had created even more suspicion and doubt around my name. None of this really happened. It was another of my wild fabrications that the police at the police station accused me of. Except they didn't, because the police are also one of my wild fabrications. Come on, keep up. The focus group was piloting some training courses and games that the company is developing. The day started with an icebreaker game in which we had to introduce ourselves and then make three statements, two true and one false. This immediately brought me out of my comfort zone because obviously I'm really not used to lying and making things up. We then had to do a team exercise which involved making boxes out of paper. There were all sorts of rules about the size and shape of the box, how the corners should be folded, how much paper should be used for one box. We also had to make decisions about how much paper we wanted to buy from the supplier in advance, calculating potential profit and loss. To be honest, I'd kind of zoned out a little bit because it was coming up to 3pm and I still needed to get home and write today's dollop and I didn't have any ideas of what to write about because I was hoping that maybe the focus group might provide me with some material. But the only material that I'd been given so far was paper with which I was meant to make boxes. Although I hadn't managed to follow the visual instructions about how to fold the pieces of paper into a box, so immediately my team was one man down. We were told by the course leader that we should treat this like a real-world task and act exactly in the way that we would act if this was a proper job. Well, if this was a real-world situation, then I'd be asking myself some pretty searching questions. Like how on earth I have ended up in a job that involves making boxes out of flimsy pieces of paper. What possible use could these flimsy boxes actually be to anyone? Who is our customer? How the hell did I get this job? Surely I should have failed the interview. When the interviewer said, how are you when it comes to making boxes out of thin flimsy bits of paper? At that point, I'd have realised that I'd walked into the wrong room, apologised for wasting their time, and asked them which floor the interviews for the male lap dancers were being held on. So, while my fellow team members made boxes out of bits of paper, I spent the time eating the free sandwiches. Tomorrow I'm off to a funeral and there'll be free sandwiches there too. So I think my life is going pretty well at this moment. Try not to be too envious.